And welcome back to another edition of It's Raining Mets. I'm CBS 21 meteorologist Steve Knight. We hope you enjoyed your summertime preview here that we had uh, through this week. It was certainly unseasonably warm for us. Uh, Both days we had high temperatures near 80 degrees in reference uh, to both Wednesday and Thursday. But as always, we record this podcast on Fridays. And, well, already uh, some cooler air has uh, locked itself into place. In fact, you know, we started the day on Friday about 20 to 25 degrees cooler than where we were Thursday morning, exactly 24 hours previous. I came into work Thursday morning around 3 a.m., and you want to talk about a summer-like feel. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. And we had most spots here in central Pennsylvania. I'd say two-thirds of our temperature locations were in the low 70s uh, overnight. And uh, you may have uh, broken down and turned on the AC here uh, this week. I didn't break down and turn on my air conditioning until Thursday. Uh, I came home from work, and it was just too warm, too stuffy in the house. And my schedule, because my alarm goes off at 2.30 in the morning, my schedule is I take a nap during the uh, afternoons. Every afternoon, I get home. I make a little bit of a quick lunch. I usually get home around 1245 uh, after the noon newscast. It takes me about 15 minutes to get home on the West Shore. And uh, then I usually, you know, maybe watch a show, try to wind down a little bit. Um, and then I take a bit of a nap. And I usually wake up, give or take, 5, 6 o'clock, and then go about my evening. And that's that's the way I do it. Uh, some people, like I think Candace, for the most part, does not nap. I just think she goes to bed early, like six o'clock at night. Um, I know, you know, when I used to work with Sherry Christian, she never napped unless she was really tired. Same thing. She would just kind of tap out at like six o'clock at night. I'm, I like having an evening. Um, I like watching, you know, a lot of times for me, especially this time of year, you know, I like to watch sports. I like to watch at least some of the Phillies game, uh, whether it's a Sixers game, Flyers, whatever. Um, Monday night football, Thursday night football. I just, I like having an evening. I like to, I'm a huge fan of Jeopardy. I like to watch Jeopardy. That of course airs at seven 30, uh, here on CBS 21. So for me, the way it works is I usually take a nap. I try to get seven hours of sleep, but break it up. Uh, it's where I get like three hours in the afternoon and then four hours overnight. Usually I fall asleep by about 10 o'clock and then the alarm goes off early. So it's a strange existence, uh, but when you work this shift, you do what you can to make it work because uh, it's tough, I mean, to get up in the uh, in the middle of the night, but uh, it's certainly worth it getting to do what uh, I love to do. But point of the story is that it was so warm uh, in my home, uh, the second floor where our bedroom is, that, yeah, I had to uh, turn the AC on. But it was kind of strange because I turned the AC on, the house did cool down pretty quickly, and I shut all the windows, turned the AC on. And then by the time I got up from my nap, because we had the cold front come through, uh, we had a couple of stray showers, some isolated thunderstorms. By the time I got up from my nap, guess what? I could turn off the AC, open up all the windows, and yeah, we had temperatures slip down uh, into the 40s, then overnight Thursday into Friday. And this is all part of a weather story that's going to carry through here through the Easter weekend. So if you've been following with us or staying with us throughout the week, we've been telling you about, you know, don't get too used to the warmer numbers because We've got another push of some pretty cold air, especially by mid-April standards uh, that is coming our way. And that is certainly the case here over the weekend. So if you're listening to this on Friday, your Saturday is going to be cloudy. Uh, We're going to have some scattered showers around. It's not looking like a lot of rain. In fact, I think most spots see less than two-tenths of an inch of rain. But there could be a quick downpour here and there that could increase those totals. 
Uh, we're to the good, by the way, in terms of rainfall. We're okay. We're not at a point where we need the rain right now. We've had uh, above average numbers so far for the first half of April, and we're running a rain surplus now for the year that stands to give or take around a half an inch. So we're we're in good shape in terms of rainfall amounts, which is good here as we get closer to the growing season. So uh, some scattered showers, a little damp through the day tomorrow, highs in the upper 60s, and then temperatures really fall uh, overnight, uh, Saturday into Sunday. And we're going to see those temperatures take a, a pretty big tumble. So if you're headed out for any outdoor sunrise services on Sunday morning for Easter Sunday, be dressed for it because temperatures are going to be down into the 30s. You treat it like you're stepping outside for winter uh, because it's going to be in the 30s first thing on uh, Sunday morning. And then Sunday through the day, highs only in the mid-50s, kind of reminiscent of last weekend. Remember last weekend was pretty blustery and cool. And our Sunday was pretty blustery and cool. So mix of clouds and sun on Easter Sunday, highs only in the mid-50s and a northwest breeze, making it feel more like the 40s throughout the day. So whatever you have going on, Anything outdoors, maybe the egg hunts, the basket hunts, whatever you have going on, make sure you are dressed for it because it is going to be blustery and cool uh, for our Easter Sunday. But, you know, I went and looked back, and uh, last year uh, our Good Friday high temperature was in the low 40s. So, look, it is not unusual, of course, for it to be cold this time of year. And uh, a lot of folks, of course, what's the big tradition? You buy Easter flowers, right? Well, just uh, a heads up on that because uh, as I record this podcast on the 15th day of April, it's a somewhat significant day in terms of our springtime weather here in central Pennsylvania because April 15th is actually the average date of our last freeze here in central Pennsylvania. And uh, I do think some of the outlying areas, uh, particularly Sunday night into Monday, could dip below uh, the freezing mark. And it would not surprise me if a few spots, if we had some frost advisories for Monday morning. You may recall, yeah, it got really warm this week. But uh, our memories are short when it comes to the weather. We actually started our Monday this week under a frost advisory, and uh, many spots slipped down below 32 degrees. So it was a really cold start to the week. We were coming off a blustery cold weekend, and the theme is going to be the same uh, for us on Monday. We're going to wake up to some pretty cold numbers. Wouldn't be surprised if the National Weather Service issues a frost advisory uh, for Monday morning. And then it will hold in the 50s some rain chances Monday Uh, I think some of that could linger into early Tuesday, and then it does get at least a bit warmer, more seasonable uh, by the middle of next week. I think by Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week, we're at least looking at highs uh, getting back into the mid-60s, which by uh, that time of next week, right now our average high temperature is 64. By the time we get to mid and late next week, our average high temperature is going to bump up to 65 degrees. So uh, getting back to the mid-60s by the time we get into next week is going to be seasonable for us. So Uh, At least, you know, these cold snaps, they don't last long this time of year now that we're talking about being in the the back half of April. So that's what we're looking at here heading into next week after we come off uh, what's going to be a a pretty downright chilly uh, weekend, especially uh, for your Easter Sunday. Next week is also Severe Weather Awareness Week throughout Pennsylvania. National Weather Service recognizing next week as Severe Weather Awareness Week. It always falls depending on, you know, Mid-April is always Severe Weather Awareness Week, and uh, this year it starts on the 18th, which of course is on Monday, and continues uh, through Friday. So in conjunction with Severe Weather Awareness Week, and hopefully you've seen some of the uh, promos that have been running on CBS 21, but in conjunction with that, uh, we are going to be doing our our own take on Severe Weather Awareness Week, and it's going to be cool. It's going to be fun. 
Um, if you like weather and if you're listening to this podcast, it is presumed that you do, uh, but uh, we're going to have fun with it. Uh, all next week, we're going to have features that are going to be basically sprinkled throughout our newscasts uh, about severe weather, about springtime weather, and uh, just all sorts of really kind of fun topics. Uh, myself, Ed, and Tom have been working behind the scenes to put all of this together. And uh, basically, it's done. As they say in the business, it is in the can, and uh, it is ready to roll. Our scripts are ready. We've sent everything out that needs to go out to uh, our fellow staff members and everybody behind the scenes. And uh, we're looking forward to it for next week. So uh, just a little bit of a preview here, because next week uh, we're going to have, as I mentioned, features kind of throughout the week sprinkled throughout our newscast. So coming up on Monday, uh, going to have a neat 3D a uh, little mini package on hail formation and uh, how hail forms. And I'm actually going to be hosting that one. And uh, here's actually like a little teaser for it. So, you know, it's a dangerous, damaging, severe weather phenomenon. Comes in a variety of shapes and sizes. Talking hail. So how does it form? Meteorologist Steve Knight is here with the answer. So we'll have that for you on Monday. And on top of that, we're going to talk about uh, something, and I also put this one together, and it's a, a pretty cool little 3D uh, graphic presentation for you. And it's going to be about microbursts. And this is going to be sprinkled throughout our newscast on Monday as well. In fact, you'll be able to catch it at 6 a.m., 6 p.m., and 11 p.m. And, you know, microbursts, I don't want to give too much away, but of course, you know, they're often mistaken for tornadoes. Microbursts can be just as damaging and just as deadly as a tornado. But we're going to talk about what exactly a microburst is. I, just speaking, you know, kind of off the cuff here, really, uh, microbursts are almost like the redheaded stepchild of tornadoes. Everybody gets really caught up and wrapped up in tornadoes. Tornado, tornado, tornado. Well, there are a lot of microbursts that occur uh, across the country every year. Uh, they can be just as strong as uh, a tornado and just as damaging and just as deadly. And oftentimes, you know, when the National Weather Service goes out and they do a site survey, what they're trying to determine is, was it a microburst or was it a tornado? So we're going to get into what causes microbursts. And then on Tuesday, I'm going to have a, a package that runs at 5 a.m., noon, 5 o'clock, 10 o'clock. And it's going to be all about tornadoes and how they form. And also, of course, what you should do to uh, seek shelter if you get caught in a tornado and then also on Tuesday, Ed's going to have, uh, I, I've seen some glimpses of this, but another nice little mini package about lightning and lightning safety. And, you know, lightning strikes the earth around 3 million times per day. Think about that. Lightning strikes the earth 3 million times per day. So there you go. And, you know, it does not take a severe thunderstorm for there to be damaging lightning or, you know, even life-threatening lightning. You don't have to have a severe thunderstorm uh, to produce lightning. So that's something that Ed's going to be talking about on Tuesday. And then Tom's going to delve into a severe weather kit. And, you know, basically what you can do to be better prepared in the event of severe weather, uh, you know, for example, you know, not just even strong thunderstorms, but what do you need in your kit if you're under the gun in terms of maybe uh, incoming weather from a hurricane, tornado warning, that type of thing. So, Tom's going to delve into, into that, and that should be fun. Ed's also going to have something coming up on watch versus warning on Wednesday and uh, talking about the differences between a watch and a warning. And that is critical knowledge to have 
in the event of severe weather. We talk about it often, but you know, I hear it all the time, all the time. People will say to me, you know, oh, you know, uh, uh, we went down into my basement because we heard there was a tornado watch. And you really don't need to do that with a tornado watch. Um, so we're going to talk about the difference between a watch and the warning and do our best to kind of further educate people in terms of what the difference is and how you should react uh, when you're underneath a watch versus underneath a warning. And then on Thursday, uh, we're going to talk about stem uh, major flooding along the Susquehanna, along the main stem of the Susquehanna. We've certainly been through it several times. Most of us in our lifetime uh, have been through it. The latest, you know, of course, big flood on the Susquehanna was uh, just over a decade ago, the great flood of uh, 2011. But we're also coming up, folks, on a significant weather anniversary here in central Pennsylvania, of course, talking about the 50th, believe it or not, the 50th anniversary of Hurricane Agnes is coming up here in June. Uh, Certainly the worst flood on record. Always have to throw that in on record because we don't know. There could have been a much worse flood along the Susquehanna, you know, back in 1396. We just have no absolute record of it whatsoever. But at least in terms of on record, the worst flood in the history of central Pennsylvania and the most significant weather event in the history of central Pennsylvania. And I know there's a lot of folks left that still remember Agnes and remember it well. I've talked to many folks that are older than me that remember Agnes. For me, I do not remember Agnes. Uh, It was June of 72. Obviously, I was born in August of 70, so I wasn't even two years old yet. Um, But growing up, you know, I, I heard a lot about, you know, the legend that was Agnes, people that were, you know, older than me, parents uh, of, you know, uh, parents uh, of the kids that I would hang out with all lived through Agnes. They were all, you know, really well-versed on it. Basically, I would say anybody that's um, upper 50s plus uh, certainly has recollections of what went down in June of 72 and what went on with Hurricane Agnes. So we're going to talk about uh, flooding along the main stem of the Susquehanna. And then Tom's also going to talk about flash flooding which is obviously far more common, uh, the flash flood threat. And we also had that, uh, unfortunately, it was deadly in 2011. We had flash flooding and uh, folks that got caught up in flash flooding, especially uh, with the Swatera. Uh, You may recall the flooding in Hershey, uh, that whole low-lying area that's Hershey Park Drive uh, where the Wendy's is. Uh, there were employees of Wendy's that were, you know, literally got caught as the water rushed into the Wendy's. They were jumping out the drive-through window, uh, to try to get to safety. So going to be talking about flash flooding, which occurs, you know, far more often in and around, uh, central Pennsylvania. And then finally, this is what maybe I'm looking forward to the most is, uh, Ed on Friday is going to have a package, uh, detailing pet safety, something that I don't think we often think about when it comes to severe weather. You know, you're under the gun for severe weather, whether it's a tornado warning or perhaps uh, even remnants of a hurricane that's going to be coming our way. Flash flooding could be a possible issue. You know, anytime that you are seeking shelter from the weather, a severe weather event, which they do happen here, as we know, in central Pennsylvania, what about the pets? And not even so much, think about this, you know, not even so much, you know, you have that severe weather kit for us or any really kind of natural disaster, whether it be an earthquake or even a man-made disaster, right? Of course, uh, we could be talking about a situation where, you know, a man-made disaster, uh, some sort of a terrorist attack, or worse. Uh, You know, we're always advised, of course, to have some form of a safety kit uh, that we can go to in case of a civil emergency 
What about the pets? You got to think about the pets as well. Uh, so Ed's going to be talking about that on Friday. So we've got lots of stuff lined up for you for Severe Weather Awareness Week. And again, we are really looking forward to it and bringing you all that information uh, heading into next week. But yeah, you know, it does amaze me that we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of uh, Agnes already. And uh, we are going to effort putting some things together in conjunction with that 50th anniversary. I know that we still have some footage in our archives here uh, from the 50th anniversary. I know there's a famous story about uh, Governor Schapp, uh, Milton Schapp at the time was the uh, governor of Pennsylvania. And uh, of course, those of you that aren't familiar, you know, the governor's mansion is right along Front Street uh, in Harrisburg, right along the river. And uh, he was famously rescued from the governor's mansion. And, uh, you know, they had to, uh, if memory serves from the stories that I've heard, uh, he actually got away in like a, a small boat, like almost like a, like a small canoe with a, an engine on the back. And uh, that's how he got away from uh, the flooding. So, you know, there was flooding all over central Pennsylvania. And that anniversary, shockingly enough, is coming up for us here in uh, just a couple of months uh, in June for uh, June of 72. So, yeah, it was a warm week. Uh, we enjoyed the summertime preview, but, uh, yeah, definitely getting cooler for us here uh, for the uh, holiday weekend and uh, into next week. And uh, hang in there, though, because temperatures do bounce back uh, by the second half of next week to more seasonable numbers into the 60s. I always tell people, spring always arrives always in late March, but I always tell people, look, it really, in terms of getting warm and staying warm around here, that generally does not happen until May. And that's why that rule of thumb always is spring planting, put it off until Mother's Day if you really want to be safe. Look, it has snowed here in May in central Pennsylvania. It's certainly unusual, but it has happened. So if you can, we always advise you to hold off on that spring planting until May. Going to turn a corner back half of next week as we see some uh, warmer temperatures. But as it stands right now, I still see things going a little bit up and down temperature-wise for the back half of April. A little too far out as we sit here on the 15th day of uh, April to be talking about what we can expect temperature-wise in May. But uh, law of averages says, obviously, May will be a little bit warmer for us. But expect some up and down temperature rides here as we uh, wrap things up here in the uh, back half of April. So looking forward to Severe Weather Awareness Week next week. And uh, we hope you tune in for that. We're going to have a lot of fun stuff uh, to talk about uh, for you weather aficionados out there. So we certainly hope you tune in for that. And we look forward to bringing you all that information next week. And with that, we'll wrap up another edition. Appreciate, as always, those of you folks that tune in each and every week. But we'll wrap up another edition of It's Raining Mets.